when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. It really is a miserable old day out there. Let's uh, hope that we do get some of these brief, uh, sunny interludes uh, this afternoon, even though when I look at more in-depth into Meteo and the reporting, they're saying the Midlands are going to get the best of the sunny spells and everywhere else it's going to be uh, cloudy. But if the rain and the winds, if the rain goes away and the winds die down, uh, it, it won't be uh, too bad because it is very mild. I mean, that is the one thing. I mean, reading out temperatures in the middle of November of up to 50, degrees, not normal for this time of year and the temperatures even overnight again we're expecting a very mild tonight, tonight temperatures around 12 degrees again not typical of November temperatures and temperatures for tomorrow again around kind of uh, 12 to 14 degrees so it is mild that's the only plus about the weather at the moment even though it's lulling us probably into false sense of security because it's looking at some long range uh, forecasts and it does look like after the weekend uh, we're into kind of a cold snap for the next week just can't find out how long that is expected to last. Anyway, welcoming you along to the programme today. John Paul, taking your calls at 1850-333-103. We are going to be discussing Brexit on the programme. Important day for Brexit today as we speak. The Taoiseach Leo Varadkar and the Taunished uh, Simon Coveney are at government buildings. There's a special cabinet meeting. It's underway. It got underway at half past nine this morning. And at that, it's expected that Leo Leo Varadkar is briefing all of the ministers on the content of the agreement, which was hashed out by the UK negotiators and the EU negotiators. By all accounts, the agreement ran to five hundred pages. There's a lot of detail uh, in that. And while that's going on here in Ireland, we know this afternoon a lot of focus is going to go on Theresa May and her government because she's going to be holding uh, an emergency cabinet meeting this afternoon in the hope of signing off on this agreed deal. And uh, the the hope is that it would avoid a hard Brexit. I mean, I don't know. Looking at there's a lot of commentary kind of changes almost every time you go online to check something. A lot of commentary coming in. A lot of the Conservatives, a lot of the Brexiteers certainly not happy with what they're seeing so far in this proposal. So I don't know if Theresa May is going to manage to get this over the line. Anyway, we're, we're going to be discussing it on the programme uh, this morning and we welcome your uh, thoughts and comments as well. 1850 Also, welcoming your comments on the second p- half of the whistleblower 
programme which was on last night. I know Michael uh, was on already having just saying having watched the concluding part of the whistleblower last night my opinion is that extreme praise has to go to Lorraine McCabe throughout the whole saga over such an extended period of time she remained cool calm and collected until that registered lesser from Tusla which wrongly implicated their children she she saw that as a final straw to try and break the family and push Morris over the edge credit also goes to John McGuinness the TD the PAC the Charlton Public Inquiry which was ever so critical to extract the truth and give justice to Morris McCabe and his family remember the quote from Martin and Callum, the then Garda Commissioner, when he described Maris McCabe and John Wilson as quite disgusting, that two people out of a force of 13,000 people are making extraordinary series of allegations and there's not even a whisper from elsewhere in the force of corruption or malpractice. He further added frankly on a personal level I think it's quite disgusting uh, Michael goes on to say also uh, when when thinking about this programme last night Kerry Lady RTE's Katie Hannon has got to be, get full marks on a superbly presented documentary she has to be the top rankings in the television awards for this year absolutely absolutely if there was an Oscar for the best documentary I would be giving it to Katie Hannon it really really was uh, superb and it was tough to watch at times it really was tough to watch I think you're right I think Lorraine McCabe how often have I said behind every man there's a, there's a good woman he, was, he is lucky in the wife that she has the way she stood by him and minded him and protected him and kept the family unit together but by God the last 12 years could not have been easy in the McCabe household and I thought you know when when they looked back as they did in the first part of the documentary uh, at their wedding and what a quiet shy woman Lorraine McCabe is I mean to even to have sat down in front of the cameras with Katie Hannon would have been very difficult for her to have turned up every day at the Charlton inquiry and have the cameras on her she's not that type of person I mean on a wedding day the biggest smile was when it was the era back in the 80s where you got out of your wedding dress and you got into your going away outfit and uh, it was what her sister said the biggest smile of the day that the rain had was when she was out of the spotlight and she knew that she you know, was leaving this wonderful day this wonderful wedding where all the attention would have been on her the bride she didn't like that kind of attention so it would have been a very difficult time uh, for her but it was a terrific documentary and as I say you know a lot of it we knew but it was to hear the impact that it had on this family and that fear that he was going to be stitched up, that they were going to make some of the muck stick. And to hear him talk about when the original, when the Miss D came out, uh, alleging that he had sexually assaulted her and of course that was completely poo-hooed that there was, there was, there was not, there was never any sexual assault, but how that put the fear of God into him and he suddenly got into a situation with his own small children he couldn't bath them anymore he couldn't dress them anymore he never wanted to be anywhere with children of family or friends just didn't want to be around them for fear somebody would read something into something or somebody would make some kind of an allegation that is no way to live your life and I was tweeting last night uh, after the programme and I was making the point having watched it and, and you know and we know that there's a civil case and there will be compensation and absolutely there should be compensation for this family but there is no amount of money will compensate 
Morris McCabe and Lorraine McCabe and their children for what they have been put through because no amount of money will give Morris McCabe back that 12 years of his life and the mental torture you know and he will live with that and, and you know he will live with that for the rest of his life I mean I really hope he does get on with the rest of his life but the fact that he's had to leave a job that he always wanted to do a job that he loved doing and I think the guard the force is lesser for having Morris McCabe gone because all he ever did was he wanted the force to be the best that it can be and he was just trying to right wrongs that had happened. That's all that he was trying to do. I really was thrilled at the end of the documentary to hear that the now Garda Commissioner Drew Harris went to see Morris McCabe and his wife and spend time with them in their home and that he had said to Morris McCabe that Morris McCabe had single-handedly changed policing and uh, changed it for, for the better and changed it for evermore and that for Morris McCabe must have been great but you know I think if they put their thinking caps on at all I think they should be bringing Morris McCabe I'm not saying he, he would want to probably go back into the force but they should be using him in an advisory capacity in, in some way that man has um, is a mine of information a mine of knowledge he knows how the Gardaí should run I think he should in some way be working with the guy, the commissioner, Drew uh, Harris. And I wonder, will Drew Harris reach out and, and do something like that? Only time will tell. Anyway, if you did watch the second part of The Whistleblower uh, and you have a comment to make, feel free to uh, contact us, 1850-333-103. Should insulting Christmas cards be taken off the shelf? These are the Christmas cards that have gone on sale in the discount, the retail discounter deals. We spoke about them yesterday and they're basically insulting. Now, you're going to have some people saying, oh, for God's sake, the fun police. Well, you know, you're trying to kill off the fun police. Sure, it's only a bit of a laugh. But, you know, I, I'm the first to um, would, would, would receive a humorous birthday card and smile at it or a humorous Christmas card and smile uh, at it. I can't say I'm great for sending humorous cards because I'm one of those ones. I love to read cards and I can spend whenever I'm away anywhere. And if I'm in, um, particularly if I'm away foreign uh, and um, in well foreign as in English speaking countries and I see a card shop If whenever I'm in the States I'll always try and check out the Hallmark stores in, in the States I can spend hours reading cards and I'll, I'll stockpile my cards for the year which is probably a very sad thing uh, to do but I love nice cards cards with a message absolutely love cards uh, with a message but I'm not against somebody sending or receiving a, a funny card but I just think when it comes to Christmas and I, I don't even find these cards funny. These cards are insulting. You know, sending somebody a Christmas card, um, calling them a, a dip, S-H-I-T, or calling a woman a B-I-T-C-H, print it on a Christmas card or telling somebody that Santa thinks you're a loser. Why? You know, what? Why? 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 Who sat down in an office who designs Christmas cards and decided... This will be funny. Uh, anyway, we, uh, we're going to be discussing it today because our big fear is that these cards could be used for bullying. And if they get into the hands of young people and young people who might think, uh, particularly if there's, if there's a group of young people who are bullying somebody and we know that bullies have a tendency to work in a gang and there's that pack mentality and she wouldn't it be very funny to send that to Johnny who we've been poking funny at, fun at all year. What well, He's a loser. Let's send him a card that Santa even thinks he's a loser. And, and a young person who is already 
coping with the effects of bullying, be it in the schoolyard, be it uh, online, social media, whatever it is, to suddenly get one of these cards in the post. You just think, God almighty, you wouldn't wish it on any uh, young person. That would be my big fear, that young people, adults, hopefully just won't even buy the cards. But for young people who, you know, perhaps don't have the sense to know that this really isn't funny and it isn't a nice thing uh, to do. So we're going to be discussing that. And we did contact deals and we have a statement from them. We'll bring that to you uh, a little bit uh, later on. We're going to talk about this protest that's happening in Cork City uh, later on. Lunchtime today. It's happening, I believe. It's not just, I thought when I was doing some research on it that it was just happening in Cork City, but it's not. It's happening, I think, in five cities around uh, the country. There is a campaign starting where they're trying to stop victim blaming and this all stems from an incident that happened here in Cork last week at the Cork Circuit Criminal Court where a senior defence counsel in defending um, a a man who'd been alleged of raping a young 17-year-old the 17-year-old's underwear was produced in court and spoken about and it were, reference was paid to the fact that the young 17-year-old that night was wearing a thong with a lace front and the idea being was that consent? I mean, does you... So basically are we saying that when young girls or women are going out, whatever underwear they're put on is basically telling everybody out there, yes, I'm up for it kind of thing. So it's victim uh, blaming. So there's a protest on uh, today about that. And actually Ruth Coppinger yesterday held up a thong in the doll uh, chamber and she was urging the government to stop rape myths being used in uh, court caused a little bit of consternation because I don't know if it's ever happened before that a woman's lacy underwear was held up in the doll chambers. I know I read that the Oireachtas television channel because obviously the camera was on the Solidarity TD because she was speaking and if you were watching it or watching a clip of it you, you just saw her reach in under her jacket to take something out and of course what does she whip out? She whips out a lazy, a, a lacy thong and holds it up and the Oireachtas television camera immediately switched its camera angle so that the viewers could not see what she was holding up, you know, and she made the point that it is wrong to present underwear. If it is wrong to present, you know, a lady's underwear in doll, then in the doll, then surely it's wrong to hold it up in a courtroom. So we welcome your thoughts on that um, and victim blaming and how do we stop victim blaming? And I know when we when we discussed the case last week after it broke, we did have now there was one or two two of the most gent- gentlemen who felt that women need to have morality was talking about morality and the women need to sort of look in the mirror particularly young girls before they head out to see are they giving off the wrong message by what they are actually uh, wearing putting the blame back on the victim there rather than on the young man the young man should just look at a young girl regardless of what she's wearing and he shouldn't decide based on what she's wearing whether she's up for sex uh, or not. 1850 We're going to preview the premiere of a new play. It's a new play called A Fish Out of Water and it's going to be put on by On Cue Productions over the next uh, two weekends. <laughs> what is a kind of a miserable day but if you have managed to get out into the garden over the last week you may have a question for Peter Dowd. A lot of tidying up going on in the gardens at the moment and I, I always feel at this time of year I put my garden to sleep 
for the winter and trying to do the tidy up even though it just seems to be a wash with leaves no matter how many times I rake there just seems to be more and more leaves but the colour the, I know we're coming to the end of the gorgeous autumn colour but there still is some spectacular colour around you just can't beat I know summer is the time for colour in the garden but you can't beat autumn when it comes to colour in nature it puts on I think one of its greatest shows 1850 103 John Paul taking your call can I give a quick mention because the Gardaí have been on to us already this morning uh, to say that they have had two reported thefts from cars early yesterday evening in the Mitchellstown area the cars are broken into while a funeral was in progress isn't that just the pits somebody going in to, maybe to sympathise or it could have been a family member preparing to bury a loved one and you come back out from the funeral to discover your car has been broken into and uh, whatever valuables you managed you left in the car have been stolen. Uh, Guardian are asking for anybody who saw any suspicious activity in the Mitchellstown area yesterday evening around the time of a funeral or removal must have been going on to please contact them on 025 84833 and of course they use this opportunity to remind people to secure valuables, uh, put them out of sight um, and do so before you reach your destination, before you actually park it up. This is the Court Today replay on C103. We've had some calls in about water outage in the Bantry area asking us could we look into it where well, we contacted Irish Water and they tell us repairs to a burst water main uh, is affecting supply in Cahar Daniel Ardnagihi Bantry and the surrounding areas and you will have water problems and water outages until about four o'clock today but they are working on it it was a burst water main and just uh, on the whistleblower programme last night Michael said who wrote that letter that was registered to Morris McCabe that was mentioned last night was it the commissioner this was the one that was alleging that he had actually raped a child and there was allegations of sexual abuse against his children now that came from Tusla and uh, it then transpired that it was a paste and copy they were actually talking about somebody else and it somehow it was a case against somebody else and it somehow the psychologist who was working on the case was typing up the report of this alleged rape of a child and of other children uh, in a particular house and somehow that report she did a paste and copy and she copied it into Morris McCabe's file by mistake and then the registered letter was uh, sent out even though it had been sitting sitting in a Tussler file for two and a half years which led me to believe what happened to the original case of the man who they were alleging had raped somebody and was sexually um, abusing his own children to that did that not go anywhere because she pasted and copied it into the wrong file certainly that that needs to be looked looked into anyway Michael said this is going on for years regarding Garda corruption what is happening with other wrongdoings within on Garda Corner? I feel the ex-Garda commissioner Martin Callanham should get jail uh, maybe we need to look at a new Garda force get rid of those involved with Canlon and anyone in that frame of mind over the years something needs to be done it cannot uh, stop here and of course the big one and something we discussed uh, yesterday the legal costs for Martin Callanham and the Taoiseach has now asked the Attorney General to study whether the state can take a case to recover legal costs from the former Garda Commissioner Martin Callanham and also the former Press Officer Superintendent Dave Taylor uh, Mr Varadkar told the door he hopes a legal case currently been taken this is the civil case that's been taken by Morris McCabe can be settled sooner rather than later but the government may also move to recover costs from the two senior Gardaí the Taoiseach said that the decision to provide taxpayer 
funded legal advice for former Commissioner Martin Cannon was taken last July. Now that was before Justice Peter Carlton published his report in October uh, and he says this decision was now being reviewed in the light of the tribunal findings. Findings, And I was listening to Mary Lou MacDonald, the Sinn Féin uh, leader. She was in the Dáil replying to the Taoiseach uh, yesterday and she said that Martin Callanan was not entitled, she felt, to one red cent of taxpayers' money to help defend his defence in, in the case being brought by uh, Martin uh, or by Morris McCabe, she felt that Martin Callanan should face the consequences of his action, and I think a lot of people will be agreeing with Mary Lou Macdonald. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three lines open. We take a break and we're back discussing Brexit now. As we speak, the cabinet is meeting to discuss the draft Brexit withdrawal agreement. The British Prime Minister Theresa May will face her biggest challenge yet over Brexit as her team this afternoon will decide whether to back or reject the plans. Our political editor Eileen Brophy joins me. Good morning to you Eileen. Good morning Patricia. And you're welcome. It's a 500 page document yep. which hasn't been made public yet but what do we believe it contains? Well we believe, I think, I suppose the easiest way to describe it is that people are describing it this morning as a swimming pool so you have Britain um, Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland all in this swimming pool so you have the, the, the high end and the low end of the, of the swimming pool so that's basically how they're, they're describing it so there is no, going to be no hard border around the whole of, um, uh, of, of Britain and the whole of Ireland uh, or between Ireland and Northern Ireland and I think that's basically what most people wanted but obviously those that want to leave uh, um obviously want to leave Europe um, they want a hard border uh, between uh, Europe and uh, and England and they also want a hard border between Dublin and um, uh, the north so uh, but that's not not part of this so like what Leo Varadkar is saying this morning is look you know EU have been really flexible on all of this uh, and you know that, that they're going to discuss their deal and he wants to give time and space uh, obviously, to Britain um, and to Theresa May to try and see where, whether they can come up with a deal at Cabinet today or not. But even after Cabinet today, there's a long process. Is, it, is it a good deal? for? Do, do we believe it's a good deal for the Irish? We believe it's a good deal for us. Okay. Um, and what people like um, Boris Johnson, who knows nothing more than what we know um, about this, which is very, very little, really, um, he's saying, you know, that it's a bad deal for the North and that Dublin, they call the Republic Dublin, uh, that the Republic of Ireland will have more influence over Northern Ireland than England. And also you have the DUP, uh, they're out today saying, you know, that this is a, a humiliation, uh, that they, they don't want to to be divided from, from the UK. Now, we do know that they have a special deal uh, that obviously because they're in, a, in a, a special situation. But nobody seems to know what exactly that means. They're saying that they'll be closer to Europe 
than uh, than Britain will be to Europe. But nobody actually knows, and the DUP are already up in arms over this. So it's going to be very difficult uh, to get this through. Now this afternoon, um, obviously, um, Theresa May is going to meet with her minister. She's spoken to them all individually last night, uh, and they're saying that there's about nine ministers that have to make up their mind. But like, you, they have to make up their mind uh, whether they're going to walk out of cabinet or not or whether they're going to stay and agree to this. Um, and if they don't agree to this, is the alternative then a chaotic no-deal Brexit? I mean, which obviously would damage everyone. Is that the alternative? Yeah, but but that, that seems to be it. I mean, obviously, even if it gets to a cabinet today, it's going to be very difficult to get it through the parliament. Uh, so it will be a no deal um, and like between the, the, there will be a summit now at the end of November and uh, where all the countries will meet together and then the EU will will, will agree this because this will be a draft agreement so this would be agreed at that if there's any problem there they're going to have another summit they've already uh, marked out for December but it will only be after all of that that it will actually go to the Parliament and uh, will it get through to the Parliament we don't know. So I think Theresa May is relying on her, obviously her ministers and her own government, but she's also relying on the business community in England and indeed the business community in Northern Ireland who want a deal. They, you know, they don't, they would be, they would be happy that they, they, all they're looking at really is trade, you know, fisheries, all of these sorts of things. Um, and uh, with this deal they will be able to trade between Europe and Britain and between uh, obviously Ireland and Britain uh, Ireland and the EU Ireland and Northern Ireland and that's very important to the business community in both England, Ireland and the whole of Ireland Listener wants to know does Eileen think there'll be a second referendum on Brexit in the United Kingdom? I would be very surprised. I mean, there is certainly a lot of people uh, looking for a second referendum. If it was here in Ireland, we would definitely, we've had it by now. Uh, <laughs> but Theresa May is completely against it. And like the, the whole thing about this is that Theresa May was, uh, originally didn't want to leave Europe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now, now, she, now, now, obviously, as Prime Minister, because people have spoken, she does. So it would be very easy for her uh, to have, uh, a, a, you know, a second referendum but uh, it would be most unlikely. Uh, is her future is her future though hanging in the balance? Absolutely is. I mean, this this is like we used to call her sort of dead woman walking there. You know, about six months ago, we always felt that she wasn't going to make it, but she has stood firm. This uh, she's either very stupid or very clever. Uh, we don't know, uh, but certainly she's she has shown um, her colours. She has shown how strong she can be, and she's been very strong on this. Uh, and you know what? Ha- she her future absolutely stands on this. If you know, if this doesn't get through, um, it will it would probably cause uh, an election. And she t- she today she now really is facing her her biggest battle to win over the cabinet right. support, absolutely isn't she? Absolutely is. Yeah. And like there are a whole load of ministers like the, there that some of them uh, like our names not that we, we would know. Um, and if she do, if they they walk, it wouldn't be too bad for her. But like you have to watch people like Michael Gove and people like that. Um, if they walk, they're big names. They can bring other people with them. Um, so uh, what they're saying in England is watch people like that and see you know where where they're going. But nobody knows what way they're going. They have they're certainly keeping their cards very close to the chest, and we won't know. I 
I suppose that's later this afternoon. Okay, and will we, with the cabinet meeting, the Irish one that's underway with uh, Leo Riker, are we expecting to hear how that goes this morning? Well, we'll hear a certain amount of how it goes. Um, I, I think I, I mean there would be, uh, I say this, the cabinet, the Irish cabinet, when they meet, like they're really only going to be told, uh, you know, what's in this 500-page document. Officials know this by heart because they have been, uh, you know, been at the table for all the agreements uh, for this, so they know exactly what it is. So they will be told, you know, what's in this. But I don't think they will be, you know, Leo Varadkar or any of them will come out saying, you know, we got this. And mm. they'll be very quiet for a little while to see how this gets through. When it gets through, then certainly uh, we, he'll be going up and down the, the whole country waving, uh, you know, that he did it. So we don't have this um, hard border. But at the moment... We're nobody, a long way from that. We're a long way and nobody can see this getting through uh, Cabinet because even Jeremy, Jeremy Corboy is saying, you know, that, uh, that he doesn't see it getting through um, himself. So mm. it doesn't look, it looks as if he's going to oppose it as well. So I don't know how it can get through. So the cabinet have to weigh up today. Are we going to vote for something that we know can't get through uh, the, the parliament? Um, and and Theresa May is there relying on them, but also relying on the business community in Britain to back her over the next couple of weeks. OK, this is definitely the most important showdown uh, since the actual it day is. of the referendum. OK, we leave it there, Riley. Thank you for thanks that. Very much and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is our politi- political editor, Eileen Brophy, with the latest on what is happening with uh, Brexit. But everybody's saying uh, we're not seeing the, excuse me, we're not seeing what's in that. A 500 page document because it hasn't been uh, made public yet and won't be made public uh, certainly until after that cabinet meeting with Theresa May uh, trying to get her cabinet to agree it at 2 o'clock today. 1850 333 103 Court Today with Haven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103 Deals, the discount retailer, has come in for criticism over a range of what they call niche Christmas cards, uh, which they are stocking this year. And they're aimed at insulting people rather than offering people festive greetings. Parent Line Chief Executive Rita O'Reilly uh, joins me with her views on this particular range of Christmas cards. Good morning to you, Rita. Hi, Patricia. How uh, are you? I'm very well. You're welcome to the, uh, to the programme. Were, were you shocked when your attention was drawn to this range of cards that deals are calling uh, their Banta clause cards yeah. having the bants. <laughs> I mean, I, I was shocked. I have to say, but then I, I had to examine my conscience and say, Rita, are you being a bit fuddy duddy here? You know, maybe this is a bit of fun. But then I thought about it again. I thought, look, it's the time of goodwill and joy. Why not go with it? You know what I mean? What else does Christmas offer? But you know, it's that let's be happy, let's enjoy one another, and let's offer the best. And make, you know, if that's what the festival is about, that's what it's about. No, I'm not going to know the religious side of it and all that, but just you know, generally people wish people well at Christmas. And this is just awful. And one of the things that struck me was, if somebody is vulnerable, you know, I can imagine it, if it, and I have a friend that I know would buy one of these and send them to me and think it was hilarious, and I would probably laugh. But if somebody was a bit vulnerable or it came from the wrong person, mm. it would just make you feel awful. Yeah. Awful. But as well as that, I think we teach our children, you don't use bad language, you know, be polite, be nice. And this is just throwing the whole thing away. 
you know, it's okay to print this. Yeah, this is bad language. Actually, print it on the Christmas cards. Exactly. Um, and let's be honest, they can and uh, will be used as a form of bullying. They could be. They could be. And um, I mean, I think they were they're another tool in the bullying, the bullies' toolkit of bullying. You know that it's not going to be. You know, you're not one of those cards. I don't think we will deem bullying. But it, if somebody is being bullied and then they get something like this, it's mm. just horrendous. Yeah, horrendous. another layer of yeah, it. Yeah. And because it's a you know a discount, a bargain store, many children you know bring their pocket money. They 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 shop in in there. So parents need to be aware that this range of cards is on sale. Absolutely, absolutely. And I I do know that deals have put up a sign saying that these are for over eighteen, but they're on the lower shelf. And sure, that's bees to honey for our whatever you say there, um, for for kids. You know, yeah. they say, oh God, they're over 18, what could this be? Let's have a look, you know, and they love it. And I can understand teenage kids thinking it was funny, you know, and having a bit of crack about it and, you know, the banter or whatever, the banter about it. I can understand all of that. But, you know, they have enough bad things in their life. Let's go with something pleasant and something nice. There's no need for, um, no need for it, no need for it. We got on to uh, deals, but uh, they didn't want to talk to us, but they did issue us with a, a statement. And this seems to be the standard response that they're sending out to everyone, because obviously they're getting a lot of media inquiries. But I imagine it's the same response if they get a complaint in from a customer that they're sending out. But anyway, they say it's very short. Our new Banta Clause cards are a winner with deals customers selling quicker than Santa comes down the chimney. If they're not your thing, we probably suggest you avoid you avoid other items in the range too. God knows what else is in the range. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in addition, they say, we can confirm there is an age restriction of 16. It's not 18, it's 16 in place. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, who's going to police that? Yeah. But it's not about the age. It's not about the age. It's just the availability of them. They're just unpleasant. They're uncouth. They're, un, you know, they're not, they're, I don't like the sense of them. Yeah, you know? it's yeah. Christmas. It's the and festive I mean, season. They're not nice, seems very dull and boring thing to say, but that's what I mean about it. It's just not pleasant. I was reading an article from one of the anti-bullying campaigns, uh, Stop the Bully Ireland. They went so far as to call for a boycott of the cards. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could be. I, I, I'm not... Sh- I, I, I'm a bit concerned about saying they call they are bullying, you know, because it depends on the sentiment that they come with, who they come with and all of that. But if somebody is being bullied or even susceptible to bullying and these arrive, then it's going to hurt there's no doubt, but other kids might take it as a laugh. But I don't think it's a, they can have a better laugh, you know. And, and I think very upsetting for parents if a child receives a card like this in the in the run up to Christmas. Nobody wants their child to, no, to get a card. No, you don't want to see that. You just yeah. don't want to see it. You just don't want to see it. And like, the thing about it is, it is children that are going, even though it's over 16, sure, an adult's not going to bother with that. They're going to say, I know, you know, they're not going to bother with it. I can't yeah. imagine. You know, and very few of them would. I'd say it is children that are buying them. And by children, even if they are 16, they're still children, you know. Would you get a high proportion of calls from parents worried about children being bullied, apparently? We get a lot of calls yeah. from parents. A lot of calls from parents. We also get calls from parents whose children are bullying. You know, they're they're upset as well when they hear that their child has bullied. So we get a lot of calls. And I mean, what we it's all about talking to the child, talking to the school, being open about it, um, you know, making, reassuring the child that it isn't them and just making this, this most of it is school and um, making sure that the school does something about it. And are schools, generally speaking, good at dealing with bullying? Some are, some aren't. I think they all yeah. have bullying policies in place. Some are good at, at implementing it and some aren't. 
And you see, sometimes like bullies are really devious people. They can get around a lot of things. And sometimes it's a long time before the child realises they're being bullied or a long time before the child will admit to it and tell their parents. So it's, it's got quite bad at that stage. And unfortunately, getting back to the old hobby horse of social media in the days when when i was in school if somebody was being bullied when you went home you were safe in your own house but now it's ever present and huge you know everybody sees it it's it's just there's no escape from it there's no escape from it would you if a child has been bullied in school and you feel the school isn't dealing with it i know this comes up every now and again on the program would you pull the child out of school and go to a different school Is, is that ever the answer it sometimes is the answer. Sometimes is the answer. I have to say my own sister did it with her child and it was the making of her child. Absolutely making of her child. She had, she'd been, in, it was from first year to transition year she was being bullied and she changed her in transition year. Different woman. Completely yeah. different girl. Um, and she never would have recovered from it in, in the original school. Uh, so it worked certainly in her situation. There's no doubt about it. But sometimes that can be a bit drastic. Also she has, she had the luxury of living in an area where there was two clo- schools close by. It might be difficult if... Um, and if you're in a rural area, a rural area. school, yeah. 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 And even if you do go to another school, you might still see the bullies, you know, so... Well, that's the social media aspect yeah. of it, you know, yeah, moving absolutely. schools, you don't you don't move away from the social media bit, that's that's always going to be following you around. Exactly, so you, you, you just have to look at all. I mean, I, I would, my instinct is to go with the easiest route and by taking the bullied child out of the school, it might be suggesting that they're the one that's wrong. Mm. You know, you try and get the school to change it, work hard, go to the Parents Association, go to the Department of Education if necessary. You know, do whatever you have to do to stop this. Because um, the schools should stop it. Yeah, They should stop it. OK, we leave it there, Risha. Pleasure as always. Thank you for that. Thank you. And thanks for joining us. That's uh, Risha O'Reilly of Parentline, 1890-927-277, uh, their helpline. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Just a quick mention to something that we raised on the programme last week. Sean uh, joined me on the comment line. He was uh, from the Carrigaline area and he was having a problem with his air phone line and broadband and he was utterly exasperated by the time he contacted us to see if we could do anything. So we did intervene. We did get onto uh, air on Sean's behalf and Sean has been back onto us this morning to say the problem has been sorted. The phone is working fine. His broadband is back up and running and uh, he wants to thank uh, air and just wants to let us know on the uh, outcome and it's all been sorted. So that's good to hear uh, Sean and thank you for taking the time to let us know that it has been sorted and well done to everybody in air for reacting when we got involved. Uh, we also are on to the council on behalf of some residents in the Mount Nagel area of Mallow. Yesterday they sent us in photographs of dumping that's going on in the Mount Nagel area now. We've put them up on our social media sites if you want to go to Facebook or uh, Instagram and, and take a look at these photographs of a dumping. The residents who contacted us are sick of it because it's been going on. It's not something new. They, some of the residents argue that because the Quartertown Civic Amenity site, there's a charge, even though it's only three euro. But anyway, they feel that that acts as a deterrent. If the Civic Amenity site was open free of charge, they feel it might actually stop it happening. And instead of dumping in Mount Nagel or flight tipping in other areas, that if people could access the Civic Amenity sites across the county for free, 
I, I don't know. My gut instinct tells me that these people are going to dump regardless and uh, the um, civic community sites won't even be on their radars. But anyway, some of the residents feel that it might actually uh, help. Uh, recently, residents collected, went with a van and they collected rubbish and they got everything from toys. There was even electrical white goods like fridges and cookers domestic rubbish had been dumped uh, pieces of wood and they collected it all up they got on to the council they're still waiting for the council uh, to come and collect it now we've got on to Cork County Council this morning if nothing else let's see if we can get the council to go out and collect the rubbish that the residents in fairness have stockpiled and put it all all together but it yeah it is it is shocking I don't know if it's going on that long one wonders if CCTV maybe is needed some kind of covert cameras to try to catch the people that are doing it because it's got to be looking at the photographs that we have up on our on our social media pages it's certainly more than one person is doing that uh, dumping it really is a shameful that's in the Mount Nagel area of uh, Mallow 1850 now let me go to the phone lines because Humphrey Deegan who is a former mayor of uh, Clonakilty uh, joins me he had a bit of an arduous journey to work this morning good morning to you Humphrey Good morning, Patricia. Now, hum- Humphrey, will know that there uh, people will know that there are uh, works going on in uh, the town of Clonakilty at the moment. The flood relief works are going on. F- Fool's gold! They're looking for an Clonakilty. Is that it? Uh, 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 sorry, just to correct you, I never made the the the, the honoured position of being mayor of the town. Oh, did you not? Sorry, uh, no, I have no, it here. Okay, no, no. we'll we'll correct uh, that uh, in our records. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were you were a former town councillor. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Uh, uh, look, Look, the, the, what's going on in Clannacilty now is we can talk about the flood relief works and that's a different matter entirely. But the, uh, as a resident of Clannacilty, I feel absolutely and utterly abandoned by Cork County Council in relation to this. Ladies Cross is just there next to Care Choice and it took me over 25 minutes to come from there to the convent. Uh, my wife went to town yesterday and she refused to come back and because it took her over half an hour so she just got a cup of coffee, sat there and collected the kids and came back. And the problem seems to be is that Warden and Burke, the contractors who are doing this job for the OPW, on behalf of Cork County Council, are just running riot. And they seem to be making agreements with the town traders, the Chamber of Commerce and not sticking by them. So now nobody knows what they are or aren't going to do. And it's an absolute and utter disgrace. They have the living Jesus dug out of the town and you know when they'll come back and they'll put the town back together, there won't be anything to put back together. The ratepayers of Clannacilty are being decimated by these works and there, there will be no forgiveness or there will be no leeway given by Cork County Council in relation to these matters. And it's absolutely and utterly disgraceful. And before anybody rings in and said that I'm electioneering, I am not. There's so much frustration in this town and I'm not saying anybody is responsible but as, as a combined unit, Cork County Council have abandoned Clannacilty to the OPW and to works than that, Ward and Burke, who are absolutely and utterly doing whatever they want to facilitate the works that suit them with no regard for the residents or the businesses of Clannacilty. But when it comes to works like this, um, uh, Humphrey, there's always the argument that, look, there's going to be delays you know, Absolutely. you just have to suck it up, put up with it. And when no it's problem. all done and dusted, you'll, you'll have forgotten about the delays. The works that have been carried out and everything will be fine. Well, that's all well and good, Patricia. But if, if, if the contractors say that they're going to have a man stop and go system from 7 o'clock in the morning to 7 o'clock in the evening, 
That's great, the traffic can flow. But what they have are traffic lights there. And we're, we have a double whammy because there's works going on out by the rugby club. There's a stop and go system there. The traffic comes down to the roundabout. Then there's traffic lights above it. And these are agreements that they've made with the Chamber of Commerce. And they're breaking those. So it's, it's about how the project is managed to, to minimise the inconvenience. Of course, people will be inconvenienced and they're willing to put up with that. But Jesus, you, you actually can't completely and utterly make fools of the people and completely disregard them and break agreements that are... And, uh, and, and that man stop and go seems to be the big... The fact but, that there isn't a man stop and go. So look, this can only be about money. Because it's cheaper to have traffic lights there than to have a couple of men there. And yeah. that's the only reason it can be. And in the greater project, my God, if they are that tight, <laughs> we're, we're, at, we're at nothing. Uh, look, it, it's, a, it's an absolute disgrace. But like, we're only at the tip of the iceberg here in relation to what digging has to be done around the town. Yeah, so obviously, my next question is going to be how much more work has to be done, is scheduled to be done? Uh, about a year, year and a half. Yeah, because the last, I mean, it was during the summer was the last time we were talking about excessive delays and there was back, yeah. and back like they, they, the traffic. They had, um, the, you know, the the guys with the, the stop and go, the lollipops, and uh, now they're back to traffic lights. And this whole thing... And you, you're adamant that there was an agreement in place by oh, the contractor no, I, I, that I they they would have a manned stop and absolutely. go. Absolutely. And I was speaking with uh, George Hart in, uh, in Spar, Eurospar this morning. Yeah. This, and he, they had a meeting yesterday with uh, the contractors and there was supposed to be a stop and go men there and here we are and so like like the frustration it, it's, it's bad now people have to try to run their businesses and survive and pay everybody and keep the show on the road without having to go and beg people to do what they said they were going to do to try to minimise this and it's an absolute disgrace and the, the rate payers of Clannacilty are being left and they've been abandoned by Carcone. And we're coming into what should be the busiest time for, for shops and businesses. And if if Clonakilty gets the reputation or avoid it because of but the should, delays, people will people will ju- will just avoid it. But they are, they are avoiding it. Already. Yeah. Should the car park is dug up um, back at Kent Street there for a pumping station. And uh, the, the greatest load of nonsense, they're going to have a pumping station to pump water off the streets into a river that will already be full of water. Sweet divine Jesus. It's be, it's beyond belief, the stupidity of this whole effort. OK, we'll get on to the council and see, I mean, particularly with that that man stop and go, I can't understand if a contractor agrees something. You know, people will accept that there's going to be delays, but everything should be done to, to minimise the delays like that by putting and in, if it is uh, a man stop and go will help put it in. And if they want to change it, would they please go and talk to the people and tell them what's happening? And tell them why they're changing it. Why? Yeah. Uh, Margaret in Clonakilty says, I was coming from the Miles area this morning, dropping my children to school. I was on the bypass in Clan for over 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. I was was there with her and... uh, there must have been people late for work and school this morning. She said, I needed, I needed to come back that way to get home, but I couldn't with the amount of traffic. In the end, I ended up driving up the main street, which, by the way, was also bumper to bumper with uh, yeah. Uh, traffic. Yeah. Um, Look, okay. it, can, it can't be the worst. It can't be the biggest job in the world for somebody actually to put a traffic management plan in place. And my understanding 
of the contractors, part of the contract is that there would be a traffic management in place. And I was speaking to you about just a few months ago. You were, we're yeah. Ba- we're back to the same situation. In the event of an ambulance having to get through this chronic t- uh, guilty, going to Cork, how in the name of Jesus is that going to happen? Okay, we'll see what the traffic management plan is, was, or has it changed, and if it has changed, why. Okay, Humphrey, listen, thank you for that. Thanks thanks very much. No problem, and thanks uh, for uh, highlighting the issue. That's Humphrey Deegan, who was a former town councillor in Clonakilty, and you can hear it in the frustration in his voice, and I imagine summing it up for a lot of other people. I mean, if you were stuck on the bypass for up to 30 minutes, this morning just to get about your business be it you're going to do a bit of shopping or if you're going to work or taking the children to school it certainly does sound like a little bit of a nightmare okay we'll see if we can get anything back from the council on that on the traffic management plan for uh, Clonakilty what else is um, coming into us by phone this morning uh, flicking down James in Brewery is on about Morris McCabe in the programme last night he says we seem to go from one crisis to another crisis when it comes to issues in this country with the Gardaí it seems that it was bullying at the highest level how did Commissioner Martin Callan get where where he was how did he get all the way to the top it's really a pity that the good always seem to uh, suffer made for gripping viewing last night that is uh, for sure I think yeah, anyone who watched it anybody who has missed it by the way it is available on the RTE uh, player we spoke about Brexit earlier on uh, Tim says the best way to examine Brexit is to ask a person living in Dundalk and working or shopping north of the border the same for people in Mon- Monaghan and Armagh crossing the border the DUP are in a good position at present and are opposed already but look at their record on the cash for ash or should that be ash for cash Arlene a trained uh, solicitor she should have been banished not promoted over the cash for ash um, uh, issue on funerals uh, listener says breaking into cars is a well known activity in Newmarket this is what I mentioned earlier in Mitchellstown there had been a break into some cars while people were attending at funerals somebody else says this happens in Mitchell's, in Newmarket as well you've just got you can't have anything you literally can't have anything of value even when you're going either to mourn the loss of your own loved one or if you're going to sympathise with somebody else it's just it's disgraceful it's just I'll, I'll quote Martin Callan it's disgusting how anyone could do that it really is on Morris McCabe it's Mar- Audrey says it's Morris McCabe who should be getting free legal aid and not the other Gardaí who told lies I think it is very unfair says Audrey and someone else says Martin Callan should be behind bars and Morris McCabe should actually get his a pension and I know last night on Twitter there was a lot of people saying there should be a call for um, for uh, Martin Callan's pension to be, da- be taken away and actually I, I was surprised at the number of people online who didn't know what the pension was his pension was two he got a lump sum of 255,000 and he gets 85,000 euro a year so if Leo Varadkar has his way and this idea that Leo Varadkar is looking into the recovery of court costs from Martin Callan and also from the former press officer superintendent Dave Taylor who will also be on a nice pension because he's retired as well they can't say they don't have money I mean certainly Martin Callan can't say he has the 255 lump sum he's hardly 255,000 lump sum he's already spent that and he also has a pension of 85 or 84, 85,000 euro a year that's a lot of money so I mean if 
they decide and it will be up to the Attorney General to see can they recover costs from Martin Callan and if the Attorney General says yeah go for it they, they're certainly they can't hit him where it hurts they can't hit him in the pocket and I think a lot of people would be very happy to see that happen 1850 lines open text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs with Jobs Expo Cork coming to Parky Cueve on November 17th your bright new career begins here register at jobsexpo.ie Weldon Electrical they're looking for electricians supervisors and apprentices at all levels and it's for a variety of projects across Cork City and County Delhi assistance required for Fuller's Centre that's in Union Hall full part-time and weekend staff. Customer service rep is wanted to work in Blackpool Retail Park and a plaster is required in the Mallow Cork uh, area. You'll find more, all of the details about these jobs and more job opportunities by by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. The special customer event of the year is coming to Top Drawer Photo Retail Park for four days only this Thursday. Furniture, mattresses, linens and duvets up to 70% off and festive mince pies. Hurry to the Top Drawer sale at Photo Retail Park for four days only starts Thursday. Okay, the secret is out. Kildare Village is having a private sale that ends this Sunday. That means saving an extra 20% on participating brands, but to get those savings, you must become a privileged member at kildarevillage.com. It's a private sale, don't forget. So get online and be in line for some pretty remarkable extra savings. Only during the private sale. Only at Kildare Village, where there's something extraordinary every day. Terms and conditions apply. Toyota Hybrid is definitely the way to go. For me, it was an easy decision. The cost savings of the fuel, the insurance and the car tax. That's price of holiday. From my own setup as a mum, a full tank would last me five to six weeks, which I just couldn't believe. With greater fuel economy, driving Toyota Hybrid means real savings. People just want to know, is it cheaper to run? Which it is, of course. Join thousands of Irish drivers and switch to a self-charging hybrid today. Toyota. Built for a better world. Santa! When do we get to Blarney? Well, the sleigh is full of toys, so we're looking good for Saturday, November 24th. So exciting! What will we be up to this year? Magical Blarney will take all the boys and girls on an adventure filled with magic, fun, wonder and joy before visiting me in my grotto. Oh, I can't wait! You know Christmas is coming when Santa's at Magical Blarney. Santa arrives at Magical Blarney on Saturday, November 24th at 5pm and everyone's invited. See MagicalBlarney.com for Santa's booking schedule. Hi, I'm Eugene Scally, SuperValue store owner. Have you considered saving with the SuperValue range with products like SuperValue washing up liquid 500ml only 79 cent and SuperValue multi-action antibacterial citrus wipes 40 piece only 109. With the SuperValue range you can shop as you please and save as much as you like. All things considered, it's SuperValue. In 2019, the game will change. Introducing the next generation of self-charging Toyota hybrids. The bigger, bolder, all-new RAV4. The all-new Corolla 
hatchback hybrid and the Corolla Saloon Hybrid, the world's best-selling car, reborn. Order today at Grandin's Toyota Glanmire. Toyota, built for a better world. We're always open at grandins.ie. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Last week, as part of the closing argument in a rape trial, a Cork Circuit Criminal Court, a description of a young girl's underwear, a thong with a lace front, was used by the defence team. The comment has caused much upset and outrage. And this afternoon, a lunchtime protest will be held in Cork City. It's been organised by the Rosa Socialist Feminist Movement. And joining me to discuss the protest, Solidarity Councillor Fiona Ryan, who's also a spokesperson for uh, Rosa. Um, good morning to you, Fiona. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks uh, for having me on. Well, you're welcome. This is uh, victim blaming. Will we ever see an end to victim blaming, do you think? Well, I really think it's fundamentally up to ourselves um, in mobilising like we are today around the country um, and also putting pressure on a political establishment that has unfortunately been wedded to an action on this question. Um, in late 1970s, the precursor that ultimately led to the founding of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre, um, 5,000 people marched for much of the same reasons that we're rallying today. And there's been basically no progress since that point. In many cases, it's in fact, it's gotten worse that even when judges do take a stand and do say that these outrageous comments are not cannot be considered uh, or entered in as evidence, um, it's sometimes even that can come back to bite them. Um, it didn't get as much coverage as this case. So this, the, the current case is obviously awful, very, very awful and has provoked international and national outrage. But in June of this year... Um, a man got his uh, conviction, guilty conviction, quashed on the basis that the judge at the time uh, during the trial said that the, the 15-year-old at the time of the rape, the fact that she was on contraception, couldn't be entered into evidence because it was degrading. Now, that was the correct decision, but a man is walking free who was found guilty because of it. And this is just indicative of how our justice system works. In, and, and worse still, the message is sent to the many, the extreme majority of people who will never get justice, um, uh, 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 never get justice from the sexual violence that has been put to them, and the confidence they have in the system. Yeah, and my worry when I when I heard it, uh, Fiona, was you know when you hear defence arguments uh, like this, it deters, doesn't it, other rape victims from coming forward to say, sure, what's the point?" It does. It's a catch-22 in some senses in that we have to highlight these outrageous things to make the public aware that this is so commonplace in the judiciary of the victim blaming that really is that it's hard. Um, but at the same time, by highlighting it, you're also confirming to people the reality of what their experience would be once they do, unfortunately, move forward. Um, I remember at the Belfast rape trial rallies that we had also organised in Cork, what really struck me and the most common thing that was said to me by young women was, if it happened to me, I wouldn't report it. And I think that that, more than anything, is at the heart of this. Of course, we need uh, uh, judiciary reform and there are many concrete things that can be done. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The countries have done to make it a more welcoming environment and including, you know, uh, victims getting evidence separately and special training for judges and jury. But it has to go beyond that. It has to take, uh, we have to tackle the heart of the misogyny that, this victim blaming culture in our, in the def- in the defense uh, that is very regular and common in defense uh, arguments. Um, we we have to get at that the root of that because they're only playing on these prejudices because these prejudices exist. Should women have the right to wear whatever they want or like on a night out and not have to stop and think before getting dressed? Am I sending out the wrong message? Absolutely, and this is the thing: this idea that rape is somehow connected to what you are wearing is nonsense. Rape happens in every country in, around the world, regardless of what traditions exist and what levels of, of um, comfort women have in their bodies and their sexualities and how they express themselves and what they wear. Um, whether it's in a war zone uh, or whether it's in a modern democracy, rape is endemic. It is nothing whatsoever to do with what a person is wearing. And in fact, it's once again distracting from the real issue to why rape culture exists, why rape is continuing to increase and why we have so few, so, such a, a low prosecution rate. Because it's not the case that 94% of people who come forward with cases of sexual violence, um, which is, is, is the percentage of those who do not uh, get a guilty conviction, they're not lying. It's that our justice system is not fit for purpose to actually try cases. Uh, and I know when when I when on, on numerous occasions when I've spoken with Mary Crilly of the Cork Sexual Advice uh, Centre, you know she talks of it's a very small proportion of women who have been raped or sexually assaulted that end up before the courts. Very small it. proportion. That's absolutely crucial as well. What we have is a tiny percentage of prosecutions because the burden of evidence is so large as well. And um, I mean, it's beyond reasonable doubt. Um, that's a very difficult thing uh, to uh, have to, I suppose, grapple with as a juror, um, given sometimes, um, you know, how these cases play out. Um, 
But the reality is that even the few, the, the percentage of those who do go to court are extreme minority of the overall. I mean, every single time there there is studies shown, it shows an, a, a huge amount of um, particularly young people who have experienced sexual assault, sexual violence in some form. And the reality is that most of those people will never report it. And the reality is that in every household, in every family in the country, there is someone in that family who has been sexually assaulted and has not sought justice for whatever reason. The primarily one that I normally get told is because they believed themselves, they, they thought they wouldn't be believed. Okay, we know there's five protests going on uh, today in in cities all uh, over Ireland, including uh, the one that you're involved in organising yourself here in uh, Cork, uh, Fiona, lunchtime protest. What are you hoping it will achieve? Um, Well, I hope that it will, I suppose, A, give a voice to people who want to give voice to their anger about this case. Um, this was organised, actually, I mean, this case happened last week, um, but I continued to get contact about it throughout the week and decided on the Sunday to put up a quick lunchtime protest to give people an opportunity, and it spiralled from that, you know. Um, and the anger really escalated at that point once there was a way for people to get active and organised. But really, I mean, I think that um, what we do, we need to do is really embed consent into our culture. Um, and that means fighting for a sexual education system in, in our education uh, that has consent at its heart, that we teach about what consent is, that we um, move away from, unfortunately, archaic texts that are in our schools. Um, for example, there's a school in Glanmire that I've shown a book um, that focuses very much on how women need to um, protect themselves by watching what they wear, by not going out and getting drunk. It's a mixed uh, it's a mixed school, boys and girls. Not a single sentence about how uh, about anything to do with men or boys. And it, they literally just didn't feature into the discussion. It was all about women looking after themselves and not being putting themselves into bad positions. That has to go. And that is really something that has to be cultural, it has to be broader, and it, I think it will only be delivered by a movement from below demanding this. So if you have an hour free over your lunch break, join us on Patrick Street at 1pm. But also try and get involved beyond that as well, whether it's you get active in um, political parties, whether you get active in community campaigns. Uh, we need to support demands, uh, progressive demands that try and fundamentally change the culture that is at the heart of all of the inefficiencies and failings of okay. our judiciary. And, and the lunchtime protest today, Fiona, for me, for women and men to come along. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. Uh, we need solidarity. Um, but also, let's not forget that men are frequently failed by the justice system when it comes to issues of sexual violence. I mean, a, a huge part of this um, is also lenient sentencing. Um, there's been many cases where um, references have been provided for cases, particularly um, issues related to child abuse, where completely suspended sentences have been given because the person is older or they have a good reference or don't have a background in other issues. That is also is something um, that has to be taken up. So men have a stake in fighting for this, for progressive change, um, both as, uh, you know, as, as victims of sexual violence themselves, but also to take on the culture that exists around it as well. So men are absolutely welcome.
Okay, and Tim in, in Bandon says, uh, and we, obviously the case that happened uh, last week, we're not commenting on the verdict uh, mm-hmm. of, of the case, just really this was the lessons uh, that can be learned. Uh, Tim in Bandon makes the point, they never asked the question, what was the man wearing? Was he wearing wife fronts or was he wearing boxer shorts or was he wearing none? Uh, why should they think it's okay to ask what were women wearing? Uh, but it's never about uh, the, man, the man. And that's good coming from another man as well. Well done, Tim. All right, uh, Fiona, good luck with the protest today. One o'clock outside Brown Thomas, is it? That's it. Thank okay. you very much for having All me. All right. On. Hope the rain uh, eases off for you. Thanks for that. Uh, bye bye. That is a solidarity councillor and spokesperson for Rosa in Cork. That is Fiona Ryan. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp oh eight six two. 103 103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This Sunday evening, we flick the switch. Join C103 Cork as we turn on Cork's Christmas lights with Cork City Council. It's going to be the biggest ever switch-on party on Patrick Street with the Academy of Popular Music, Cork Deaf Choir, the C103 Street Fleet, Santa Claus and more. Join us for the switching on of Cork's Christmas lights this Sunday at 7.15pm with the Evening Echo and C103. Now, A Fish Out of Water by playwright Jimmy Keary is the latest production by Mallow-based theatre company On Cue Productions. The play opens this weekend at the Emelian Theatre and will run over the next two weekends. Joining me in studio, two of the cast members. David Sheedy and Deirdre Lenehan, you're both very welcome. Good morning to you both. Um, Deirdre, I suppose I have to start with you because when we last spoke, which was back in August, you were about to get on a plane to head to Chicago uh, to represent Ireland in the World Championships as public speaking. Speaking was all to do with Toastmasters. Was it an amazing experience? It it was tremendous altogether, Patricia. I, You know, if I never did it again, I can say that I, I went over there. I performed my own speech as well as I could. I got a very warm reception. I delivered it well. And, you know, I was up against hot competition in the sense that I there was 10 other semi-finalists in my heat. And the guy that won my semi-finalist was had been over there five times previous and had been a world runner up. Yeah, he was very well known and he seemed to have a big following, whereas I was like a fish out of water, if you pardon the expression. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I was a little fish there. But having said that, I was I was very proud of, you know, of just performing it under that kind of extreme pressure. And I feel, you know, I learned a lot. So if I was to to contemplate doing it all again, I think I'd be a lot wiser as to how I'd prepare in terms of just the visit and how you go about, you know, um, seeing other people, making sure you're known, things like that. Oh, you know, I wouldn't small things. Of, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have all the things that you'd have to do. It's yeah, like because I was there kind of protecting my voice and making sure that I was resting and stuff, whereas yeah. all the other people were around talking and oh. getting themselves known, yeah. you know. So silly little things that, you know, you don't th- you don't know because you've never been there before yeah. and nobody yeah. is there to tell you. So I'd be a lot wiser if I was but ever listen, to get to as, that stage as again. As I said to you that day when you were in, the wind was in qualifying. I oh, mean, absolutely. You know, I, I'll never forget it. So yeah. it was a great experience. And you're still heavily involved with Toastmasters, I take it. Well, yeah. I, I suppose naturally enough after kind 
kind of living that whole seven minutes for the whole summer, I, I feel I felt the need of a break. So it was great to come back and throw myself into the play, okay. you know. So it it's a total contrast, but it's still a performance. So, you know, I'm still fulfilling something I love to do, but just in a different uh, Do you, do you ever sit at home and do nothing? <laughs> Not really. No, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Sorry no. for throwing that in, but it doesn't. It doesn't surprise me. Okay, now a fish out of water. It's a three act uh, comedy. It's a premiere, which is which is huge. David, tell me the storyline first. So basically, it's kind of deals with um, a newly married couple um, and the the problems they they face when their their mother uh, the the mother of the. The groom comes and lives with them and there's various bits and pieces that happened in because of that. So the mother-in-law has to move in. Yeah. Um, and do we know, is it explained why she has to move in? Yeah, it is. It, it is, is, that's yeah. all explained. So am I, am I, would I be right in thinking you're the groom and you're just the mother-in-law? That's, or the mother? The, that, that's it, So indeed. this is your prize son on stage? This, yes. Yeah. Oh, you can see the family resemblance <laughs> and the height and whatever. And, yeah. and, it's, and it's set in modern time, an Irish play set in modern time. Yeah, it's, it's, it would be maybe set in about, the, about maybe at the most 10 years ago. Mobile okay. phones are in, in the play and whatever you know yeah. it's quite modern but, uh, but, the, but I is, so is, is the, the problem essence, is age old is it the the essence of uh, every Irish mammy and her son well I suppose that's the preciousness of you know thinking that nobody else is good enough for my son and whether this lady measures up or not and uh, uh, I, I, I suppose I, I'm not I'm not a very open type farmer's wife who has preconceived ideas as to what what the person her son is marrying should be like and how she should behave. And this lady doesn't seem to measure up. So I, I tend to, I'm a little bit, um, what would you say? I'm a little bit scheming to try to discredit her in Massey's oh, eyes. Tiersha, you mean, know. you mean mean thing. I know. And who's the bride? Who's your bride, uh, David? Is she a lovely girl? Uh, she's a lovely girl um, <laughs> by the name of Zoe Fitzgerald. Um so she's she plays my my wife. Um, there's eight of us in the play in total. Um, so she's um, as I said, my wife, and then we have other kind of various people who come in and out through the play. <coughs> excuse me. Um, to help out, so we have um, John Gleeson, um, Kay Cronin, um, we have Audrey Brown, Louise Luddy. And these are what playing friends or our family members. They be fr- friends, friends and neighbours and neighbours. Um, one particular fellow would be a protagonist in a scheme that uh, Nora has in mind as to how to discredit uh, okay. the, the newly married wife. Okay, and we're not going to say what happens whether well, whether you manage to no, to, no. to succeed. Uh, We'd be succeed. delighted to to have people come along and find okay, out and, what and happens. And uh, Deirdre, as I mentioned, this uh, playwright um, Jimmy Keary, I, I was looking him up uh, yesterday. He's written quite a prolific playwright he's written a, a huge amount of plays you've never worked with his plays before no we we haven't he he write, he, he has written about 21 one three act plays and five or six one act plays yeah but i suppose one of the challenges for us it, it's a great challenge when nobody has ever performed this play before so yeah. the playwright might have a certain kind of character in his mind when he's writing it but we're the first people giving a blueprint to that character you know so it's really exciting because people don't have a comparison point 
and we're we're putting the stamp on it for him and we hope we hope we're doing a good job under the direction of Pat Taylor who's a very experienced actor as well as a director he he has little subtle little things that kind of help us as actors to bring the character to life. Yeah. So I hope the audience are going to find it. But is that. is it more nerve wracking when it is a premiere? Um, I don't no. know. What do uh, you does, think that you, does that enter your mind, so. David? Because um, I think you can often, uh, I found with previous plays, you might look up on YouTube clips and you often yeah. find that you compare and you yeah. try to perform it like they perform it rather than taking your own stamp on it and developing the character yourself, which I think is... It's it's something yeah, there's no place you can go to see what previous yeah. um, groups did or anything. So you just have to nail it yourself, really. Yeah, yeah. It's good. And how do you manage to get the, the rights to a play like this, um, Deirdre, to do it for the first oh, time? Well, you, you obviously you, you have to ask the playwright's permission and you pay a royalty. So who would have chosen the play? Uh, well, usually it would tend to be the director would yeah. choose a play because they're either familiar with the with the playwright or with the with the actual play, or they like the look of the play, or they feel that they have a cast in mind that can actually perform the play, because there's no point. You might see a great play, but if you don't feel that it fits the the people that you well, are you working with, well, you need to have with. the actors and actresses uh, to, to go yeah. with it. And David, a three act um, play. Are we into a lot of set design? What's what's happening that that it's, end? It's kind of more or less all set um, within the the, ho- um, the the household really of um, the the bride and groom. So it's kind of the, all set in their living room, yeah. kind of as such, um, yeah. over a couple of days, and okay. and it's kind of that's mainly the set. And well, the the set construction, as always, is undertaken under the um, the guidance of Danny Buckley, who has been doing our sets now for years not to mind all the other endless things that he does behind the scenes but you know he'd the set the set is very accurate and authentic and that helps obviously helps the actors as well yeah you know and it makes it more believing, believable for, for the audience and so Kay Cronin um, just to mention that Kay Cronin is a new member to our group this okay. year so she's making her debut with us so is she great? I wish her, I wish her well she's going to be great she's got a great um, character and her her um, her character in the play is great fun. So okay, I break she's going to enjoy it. And that's a big deal to, yeah, to do. Absolutely. Because David, um, you were involved for how many years with Uncle Productions? I think it goes back about eight years is back to eight? the okay. days that when we, we used to do Panto. I think Robin Hood was my first performance. Yeah. And Panto's great fun. Oh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really enjoy Panto. And it's, it's kind of nice, I suppose, when we came away from it, it was difficult at the time to kind of see us doing something else. But now that we're kind of into the plays, it's it's definitely a different challenge yeah. Um, yeah. to try and not play it to the audience rather than kind of play it within four walls as yeah. such, you know, yeah. that you're That's not actually point. playing to the audience. You know, Deirdre, you, you were born on stage, were you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love it. I, I yeah. absolutely love it. If I, I, I wouldn't mind being a tinker around the country. If somebody wanted me anywhere, I would just put up my hand and try and engineer yeah. a way of of um, of being there. Because I think it's the challenge of getting people to believe you're not Deirdre Lenehan, you know, yeah. and getting them. And I think when you get them that in rehearsal, they're referring to you by the stage name rather than Dear, that's yeah. when you know and you're you, kind you, of nailing you're the character. You're Nora, is it? I'm Nora. Nora. Yeah. Nora. Oh, no. I'm I'm the real Nora. All right. 
I wouldn't be having any messing if you know I, what I, I mean. I know, then. I know. Listen, Very I've, practical. I've, I've seen you so many times on stage and, and I've never not seen you light up a stage. So, I mean, well, on Cupid Trisha, Options. we look forward to seeing you uh, at, great stuff. at some stage great over stuff. the two weekends. So, you're, you're two, yeah, it's two weekends. You open, um, who's got the details of what so nights you're on? We open on Saturday night this weekend. So, it's the 17th and 18th. So, Saturday and Sunday this weekend. Okay. And then the following weekend, it's the Friday and Saturday, the 23rd and 24th. Okay. Um, Tickets, they're available on the door or they're available through eventbrite.ie or else they're also available on the phone number uh, 086 um, so tickets can be got and reserved and okay and booking is advisable because it always happens people leave and then the last night people are disappointed because they can't get in that's right absolutely so four nights you're running well, for well people are asking me around the town already about tickets yeah. so, so it's great that it's gathering Good. a bit of momentum Good. the posters are out there the information is there we look forward to seeing a great crowd and have you had your first dress rehearsal uh, no that's coming up now t- tonight okay We're li- it's it's tremendous just to be getting there you yeah. know once we move into the theatre we know that that's it. Th- we're near showtime so okay, that's great okay well enjoy a fish out of water and thank you both uh, David Sheehy and Deirdre Lenahan thank you both for joining us in the studio Pat O'Brien says congratulations to Deirdre Lenahan and uh, please don't forget the Glen Theatre and Bantier their production of Sive that's a great play is on uh, next Sunday night in the Glen Theatre at half past uh, eight thank you for that uh, Pat you're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. By the way, I thought maybe I didn't mention it enough that on Q Productions and their their production, their world premiere of this three-act comedy, A Fish Out of Water, uh, this coming weekend and then the following weekend. Somebody has texted in saying, where is it on? It's the Amelian Theatre in in Mallow. Maybe I didn't mention it, and if I didn't, my apologies. So the Amelian Theatre in Mallow. Tickets available on a ticket line 086 255 It opens this Saturday and it'll run Saturday and Sunday of this weekend, 17th and 18th, and then they're back on stage the following weekend but for the Friday and the Saturday, 23rd, 24th, and it's at 8 o'clock each night. Uh, Good luck to all involved. Now, on the protest that's happening that we spoke about, this is to try to stop victim blaming and it's in light of the court case last week at the Cork Circuit criminal uh, case where a senior counsel for the defence remarked on the fact that the 17-year-old girl who had put in the complaint that she had been raped was wearing a thong and people have been enraged by it saying it's victim blaming and it needs to uh, stop some of your commentary because we spoke with Rose that they're having a group they're, as a group they're having a protest today at one o'clock and I think it's that Rose of the organisation are the ones organising protests as five cities are going to have protests today trying to get the message across that we need to stop blaming victims that uh, what a girl wears shouldn't pay any reference at all when a case like this uh, comes to court. Um, The Dermot from Skibbereen wants to know if the law requiring the anonymity of the accused should be scrapped his thinking is that if you named somebody who had been accused of a sexual assault there was a possibility that other women may come forward and say they were assaulted as well. I suppose on the line that so few women come forward um, and actually reported to the Gardaí. Uh, Dermot said there was a famous case of a taxi driver in England. It's only when he was named that several other women came forward um, after he had been charged. Maybe we need to look at that here. Well, I know in this country, the anonymity and certainly in the particular case, which, by the way, we're not getting into, not commenting on the verdict of the other case uh, or, or even indeed the case itself. But last week's case was a minor because the girl in question was 17. So I don't know 
Now, it's certainly there would have been anonymity, but the anonymity is always in place. It's to protect the victim as opposed to protect the accused. But by the very nature of protecting the victim, of course, you are then protecting the accused uh, as well. Martin says, uh, hi, Patricia, with regards to the judicial system for rape victims and survivors or murder cases or any other case where there's a jury, surely there must be equal representation of the jury, six men, six women. There's no point having nine men and three women on a rape trial as the men will naturally empathise with their own and sway the vote and I suppose the flip could be said going the other way as well uh, Martin if all those who are, if it is those who pick the balance of the jury they are the ones who decide most cases I don't know maybe I'm exaggerating but if there was nine women and three men uh, would they um, in that case would the verdict have been different uh, who knows uh, says uh, Martin in uh, West Cork 1850 now on other topics that we were discussing on the programme today we spoke with Humphrey Deegan about uh, delays in Clannacilty and they sound absolutely horrendous and looking out the window and the weather being so bad and if you're stuck in a lengthy traffic jam on a day like today I think it just adds to it if it's a fine summer's day and you're caught in a traffic jam bad enough but you kind of put up with it but if you're stuck in a traffic jam on a day like today and you've children howling in the back seat of the car it gets even worse uh, a Clonakilty listener was listening to Humphrey and wants to share her story she says hi Patricia I was in Clonakilty yesterday with two smallies in the back of the car it took me one and a half hours to go from the Clonakilty hotel no sorry it took me one hour to go from the Clonakilty hotel to the super value roundabout one hour I travelled on my journey and then we got stopped again for another 15 minutes by somebody I can only describe as a clueless man. This is, was a stop and go, gentlemen. Uh, it, he really maddened me. I asked him, was I going to be stopped for long? Because I explained to him, I've already been in a traffic jam for an hour already. So I asked him how long the roadworks going to be? And his answer to all my questions was, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gone tomorrow. I don't know anything about this. He didn't have any comment for me. My four-year-old sitting in the back seat of the car actually said, you should know and you should be able to tell my mom." My point is my journey from the Quality Hotel to home is a journey that normally takes me 15 minutes when traffic is flowing. Yesterday, because of the busy traffic and the traffic work, the works that are going on, all the traffic delays, that 15-minute journey turned into a journey of one hour 15 minutes. Thank God I did CD that entertained the two smallies in the car. Love the show. A clan of Kilty Lister. Oh my God, you must have been stressed out of your little head by the time you got home. I know we're getting on to, well, John Paul is in the process. If he hasn't already done it, he probably has. We're trying to get on to at the council to find out what, you know, what, where is this traffic management plan? Because according to Humphrey, there was a traffic management uh, plan. And I'm always saying to people when there are flood relief works, road works, some kind of works going on by passes, whatever they're doing. We all know when we live in an area when that work is going on, we just have to put up with it for, you know, delays for a little while. But you know it's for the greater good. And I know the roadworks are going on for a long time in Clonic Kilty, but the greater good when everything is done, you know, we'll forget about it. But when it's actually happening, we do have to have a level of patience. And I think people are good and people do have a level of patience. But I think people get frustrated when promises were made and if there was a traffic management plan, the promise to do X, Y and Z and then it looks to people that X, Y and Z isn't been done then we need to question why isn't it been done why isn't everything been done 
to make life as easy as possible for people who are going to be delayed. Don't add to their misery is the point I think that Humphrey Deegan was trying to get across. And I have huge sympathies for business people because business people certainly must be affected by this because since we started mentioning it today we're already getting people saying you know exactly what that lady that Conor Kitty listener there and Humphrey has said and people saying what's going to happen now is people will avoid they will just avoid Conor Kitty and we need to get people in to our towns particularly in the lead up to Christmas this is when it is Christmas the, the Christmas trade will make can make or break a lot of small businesses if they don't make their money in the run up to Christmas that's the money that keeps them going in the very lean months that will come in the new year so we need to do everything we can to get people in and if people are going to get frustrated it just it stops people um, it gets people to think oh, I'll go somewhere where it's going to be easier which I would hate to see happen so anyway we're on to the council and we'll see if we can get a response back don't know if we'll get a response back by the close of the programme today. Often it's the following day I'm I'm giving you the um, the response. For example, like in Mary in Mallow, she had contacted us yesterday. Now she was having problems. She lives in a local authority house and she was having problems with her heating. Her heating just wasn't working and I know she had a problem with the stove door. She wasn't able to close it and that there was another problem. She wasn't able to set the heating and she was quite frustrated. It had been going on for about five weeks and obviously it's kind of mild at the moment so she's kind of putting up without any heating but she's just worried going into the winter months and she asked if we could intervene on her behalf and could we get, you know, to, to see if anything could be done. So we did. We did an intervention yesterday and I'm just now being told that Cork County Council have contacted us and they've sorted the issue for her. So that's good. That's been sorted out uh, for Mary and hopefully she'll be toasty and warm for the rest of the winter months. We also have a reply back from what's this one on oh this is on Bus Aram. This oh this was to do with Carmel in Middleton who contacted us yesterday. Carmel in Middleton has free travel and she was on the bus and she showed her free travel pass and she has what what I'm kind of describing as the old travel pass because travel passes now have been replaced with the public services card. When you get a pub, your public service card, if you're entitled to free travel, it'll have FT free travel published on the front of it and then the type of free travel you have, whether it's FT uh, plus C with a companion or if it's, I think, FT plus an S is free travel with spouse. Am I right on that? And if it's just FT in its own, it means that person named on that card and who's photographed because it's a public services card is entitled to free travel. Anyway, Carmel was on a bus this week and the bus driver says, Mrs, do you know that come December we won't be allowed to accept those free, those that particular type of free travel card again. We'll only be able to use the public services card. And Carmel was saying she hadn't seen a sign anywhere telling people that and she reckoned that there were still people going around using the old free travel card who were not aware of this. So he said we'd get on to bus Aaron, seeing as it was a bus driver had told Carmel. And I'm just seeing the response. Now I haven't, I haven't read this first but it's coming from John Paul. Um, this is the response to bus Aaron. Customers who qualify for free travel can use either a free travel pass or a public services card to avail of travel on bus air and services. The pass must be shown to the driver when boarding the bus 
there are currently no plans to alter the validity of the DSP pass. Okay, so uh, Carmel, I don't know if Carmel is to listen to us in Middleton. If you're speaking with your bus driver, can you tell your bus driver, please, that he is giving you misinformation that the old travel passes are not uh, obsolete? Because I was checking out then on the public services card because most people are being called for their public services card. But bear in mind, every single person in the country is to get a public service card. So it's going to take some time to get through them all. If you particularly need one, you can make contact with the department and book an appointment, but you can't show up and just look for a public services card. You have to make an appointment and they are contacting people and they are getting through it slowly but surely. I'm assuming, I'm open to correction on this, but I'm assuming that what, they've, what they're doing and have been doing is they've contacted people who were on a Department of Social Protection payment because obviously they get, they once they get these cards, they, that's how they get their payment they bring their little card into the post office if they get paid that way. So I'm assuming that that's what they've done and then they'll be working too. But every worker, every single person in this country eventually, and I, I don't know, I'll, I'll try and if I get, get a chance to do some research on it later, later, I don't know if they set a timeline on when they reckon everybody in the country will have one. But the plan is that everybody in the country is to have one. But that's good to know just uh, because we gave that information out yesterday and I just want to clarify that that if you have the old style free travel pass don't be worrying come December you will be allowed to get on the bus and if anybody tells you differently uh, please tell them uh, to revert back to Bus Air and the Bus Air and are saying there are no currently no plans to alter the validity of the free bus pass or free travel pass it's not just for buses 1850 John Paul Taking your calls if you want to text or WhatsApp, you can 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now, the West Cork Carers Support Group are holding an information evening on fair deal slash nursing home support system and legal matters. It is happening this evening between 7 and 9 p.m. in the Maritime Hotel in Bantry. No charge for the event, but uh, booking would be helpful, please. 027 53848. Shandon Area History Group are presenting a talk by Jerry White. It's entitled Victory, Virus and Votes about Cork and the World in 1918. That's on tonight, half past seven, Kofa House on Church Street. That's just off Shandon Street. The Irish Blood Transfusion, they've got a blood donor clinic at the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen. That's on this afternoon between three and five and again tonight between seven and nine. Kildallery Drama Group, they're performing a comedy, I'm the One for You. It's by Jimmy Keary in the Church Hall. That's the guy we were talking about with the the, the play we've just previewed uh, earlier on. Anyway, that's on uh, tonight, eight o'clock and it runs for five nights, finishing next Sunday. Beneficiaries this year will be Kildallery National School, Glenahola National School, Hilltop Kids Play School and local community projects. Your support much appreciated. Uh, bingo is on Edelquin Hall in Cantor, half past eight, jackpot 5,000 700 euro. Inside Out Cork is a group specially set up for people who want to talk about mental health challenges in a safe place. They're inviting people to join them for a chat and a cuppa. Seven o'clock tonight in St. Michael's Centre and that's at 36 on Main Street in uh, Bandham. And Cove 
Flower Club have got a gala Christmas demonstration with Candy Holton. That's on in the Commodore Hotel in Cove, 8 o'clock tonight. Tickets available at the door with proceeds going to Beata House and Footprints Cove. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This Friday, C103 is live from Cavanaugh's of Mallow. Join Nick Richards in the afternoon between 1 and 4 p.m. We'll be there to celebrate the launch of their new dealership in Mallow and the amazing 191 Ford range. There's loads happening across the day with plenty of goodie bags up for grabs. Make sure you join Nick Richards this Friday live from Cavanaugh's of Mallow, the new name of Ford in Mallow on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And if you've got any questions for Peter Dowdle, get those into us, please, either to John Paul, uh, you can text or WhatsApp uh, 0862103103. Still getting in commentary about the whistleblowers uh, programme over the last uh, two nights. Tim says, fair play to Peter Carton. It was a tribunal, not a trial, but still part of the constitutional process. Tusla came out very badly and they should be examined. John McGuinness enhanced his reputation. He's not among Micheál Martin's favourites, but we may get a chance to vote for him in the European elections. Uh, says uh, Tim I thought John McGuinness came out really well out of it as well because there was that moment where he had met uh, Martin Callanham and he thought he was going to meet him in a hotel but instead the meeting happened in the car park or obviously Martin Callanham didn't want anybody to see the meeting and didn't want anybody to hear what was going on and as he left uh, he said to him you need to be very careful or you're in big trouble sorry as I said you're in big trouble I mean that would have frightened uh, the, I mean that's, I certainly think it frightened John McGuinness but he uh, on the drive home he had two choices to make he could have either decided to go I'm not going to do anything about this if he really was scared um, by what had been said by Martin Callan and instead he went the other way and you know he took um, the harder route I have to say for John McGuinness so he has to be complimented uh, for that let me go to the phone lines John is in uh, Mitchellstown good afternoon to you John good afternoon uh, John, I'm, ver- I'm very well, did you watch the programme over the last two nights? Actually, I just wanted just watch half of it in the papers. All right, so yeah, yeah, there's lots of commentary in in the paper. You're on about the money that's going to be spent by Martin Callan to defend his case against that Morris McCabe has taken against him. Well, I don't think you should get no state aid. In fairness, he probably went over the golden handshake when he retired, and I think that that money that should be used by him also in compensation to. Morris McCabe, plus his associate, John Mr. Taylor. He got €255,000 in a handshake and mm-hmm. his pension, um, Martin Callan's pension, is €85,000 a year. Yeah. Well, suppose the show was on the other foot, Patricia. If it was Morris McCabe that did that report, kind of report about Martin Callan, or any Martin Callan for that matter, I'm sure he would just be simply kicked out of force and ready. Yeah. So, why, <coughs> Mr. Callanan, he used his position and abused, he abused his position and used his power to downgrade and degrade Morris McCabe. And I wouldn't like to be the family like Morris McCabe to have put up with the, the, the dirt and the slander that was thrown him, being a child abuser, you name it. Yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. horrible. So, you, so, Martin Callanan, therefore, you feel should face the consequences of his actions because he knew what he, he was sh- doing. He should, of course, yeah. Of course he should. And Mr. Taylor shouldn't get away either. Now, maybe Mr. Taylor might be under 
<coughs> strict orders and maybe threats from Martin Kellner to go and do, do what he did as well. But the point about it is, there is a stop sign and everything, and they knew they were doing wrong. Yeah, and Dave Taylor didn't come out well out of the piece of cards and report. And furthermore, I don't think that... Now, I know they were both exonerated, Francis Fitzgerald and Noreen O'Sullivan, they were both exonerated from blame, but I don't think that... <laughs> I think they were both well aware of what was going on. Do you? I do, I believe that it is, because Francis Fitzgerald said about some documents she received, she could never remember receiving them, regarding the case. But in, in later cross-examining, she said some documents did come in. So, <laughs> make what you like of that. Yeah, and what what do you make of the new uh, guard, the commissioner Drew Harris? I thought what what was good last night was where where he went to see Morris McCabe and and actually said to him, "You have single handedly changed policing." I mean, do you now have, um, do you have faith now in on guard that you call it? I more would have faith. So, yeah. I think Drew Harris will solve that anyway. They have a say, no broom, I sweeps clean. Yeah, yeah. But I I think that he has stepped up definitely on the right foot anyway. Okay. All right. Okay, John, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. And I know the Taoiseach is, has asked the Attorney General to study whether the state can can take a case to recover the legal costs from both Martin Cannon and uh, Dave Taylor. And obviously we will await to see what comes back from the Attorney General because it will be the Attorney General uh, who ultimately will make the decision to see can they go after both uh, Cannon and Taylor for some of those costs. Um, 1850 John in Clonakilty says I brought my children to school in Clonakilty at 15 minutes uh, after 8 why could they hold why could they hold back the traffic flow restrictions at that time why did they is that what you're saying uh, you have the traffic restrictions on the bypass also on the Convent Hill in Clonakilty if they could start them at half past 9 instead of starting them at 8 o'clock it's the same in the evening time when you've all of the parents and the children trying to get to and from school yeah, that's if there was uh, if you could put a plan in place and you look at what are the busiest times of the day. I know the point you're making and structure the works. Now I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an engineer. I'm I'm not somebody who organises traffic flows and traffic plans. You would think that it would make the most sense that you don't start the work until at least after nine. Get all the kiddies into school and the mums and dads at home. Get all the workers to work. At the commuters who need to go into the town, go through the town. Get everybody out of the way because they. It is always quieter. I mean, I think every single town and city quietens down from about quarter past nine, half nine uh, onwards. So is that something that could be looked uh, at? According to John and Clonakilty, he feels that that's exactly what uh, needs to be done. Uh, get your gardening questions into us, please. Peter Dowdell will be joining us in this, the final hour of the programme. If you have a question for him, uh, get it in uh, to us. Uh, you can text our WhatsApp 0862103103. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. I'm just wrapping up on some comments in on the Morris McCabe and the documentary. Mary in Bantry was gripped to the TV for the last uh, two nights. She feel having watched both parts of the documentary that Martin Cannon should have ended up in jail. Also Peter Taylor should have gone to jail. She felt it was absolutely awful what was done to uh, Morris uh, McCabe. And Anthony says 
Martin Cannon is the one that was disgraceful in all of this, as was Peter Taylor. There should be no trial. How can you defend the indefensible? He should pay his own bill and he has the cost of the taxpayer too much already. And that comes in from uh, Anthony. Thank you for that. And we've been talking about the traffic problems in Clonakilty this morning and the works that are ongoing and a stop-go system and what was promised as a stop-go system suddenly becomes traffic lights and the traffic just not flowing properly at all. According to people we're hear- hearing about in delays of up to an hour today. People were delayed in their journeys. Tim says it's not just Clonakilty, Patricia. Patrick's Bridge in Cork City and the keys have been half out of use for a while. The traffic lights have not been adjusted to take account of the extra pedestrians on one side. It is bad organisation to do any of these repairs anywhere, anywhere near the run up to Christmas. You need to give businesses a chance. OK, thank you for that. OK, let's turn our attention to gardening. Uh, Peter Dowdle joins me, the Irish gardener. Good afternoon to you, Peter. From, from the appalling case of garden corruption to the much more uh, yeah. much nicer case of gardening Ab- absolutely yeah. absolutely and it's it's a god it's a wild and a blustery day uh, out there and yesterday wasn't it was kind of well it was dry in between the showers but I managed I spent an hour out in the garden yesterday you know doing all those tidy up jobs that need to be done there's a lot needs to be done in the garden it was a, it was a typically Irish commentary right between the showers yeah, but, but, yeah. but it sums it up it, yeah. it is and I think the forecast from tomorrow is okay again but it's that time of the year we have to expect this and it is it, just what you're saying it, it is the time to get out between the, the rain be it hours or day days between the rain and get out and get the jobs done that need to be done get the bulbs planted get the paths cleaned you know any overhanging trees any overhanging shrubs which could cause trouble over the winter months get it done now or else the, the weather will do it for you OK David in Bandon wants to get busy he wants to know when is the best time to scarify a lawn uh, he uh, it's the he, it's for irrigating the lawn well, for scarifying it, you'd want to be doing it either in September or March. What scarifying is, Trish, for, 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 for anybody who doesn't know, he's probably been talking about aerating, I'd say, as opposed to irrigating the lawn for aerating. So what you're doing is it's basically a mechanical rake where you pull out the, the you physically, the, or the machine does, physically pulls out the moss and the thatch on the top of the lawn, on the, the surface of the lawn. And what thatch is, is, is uh, grass. Grass, obviously, for all of our grass, you, you plant the seed in the, in the ground, in the soil, and it goes up perfectly towards the sky. But then as we walk on it or play ball on it or even just go over with the lawnmower, uh, a lot of the grass gets trodden down. And then instead of growing vertically, it starts growing horizontally around the soil, soil surface. And what this does is create uh, very, very poor air circulation, damp, warm condition on the, on the soil surface. Uh, and that's ideal conditions for moss to grow, for fungal infections to thrive, and basically for poor grass growth. So it is important to remove that thatch and to remove the moss. But I would say don't do it at this time of the year. Ideally, it would have been September or failing that now, wait till next March and do it then. But the lawn lawn will thank you. But do bear in mind that number one, it's quite a job of work. And number two, it will look desperate immediately afterwards, but not for long. Okay, Hannah has a plant that she says is called Hot Lips plant. She got it a year and a half ago. She wants to move it. Is this the wrong time? Uh, She says there are still some flowers on it. You, you were a bit unsure. You were looking I at the was, name thing. Yeah. I wonder is that yeah. a typo? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's Craig. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful plant, actually. It's, it's a type of salvia or sage. It's salvia hot lips. It's a kind of what's termed a sub-shrub uh, in that it's, it's not a perennial and it's not quite a shrub, but it's a gorgeous thing. It's lovely black currant sent from the leaves and these lovely red and white flowers, and which gives it the name. Um, 
you, you now is the time to move it. Well, nearly. You want it probably to get a bit colder. You'd normally say in November, but this year it's still quite mild. So the next cold period after that, or even during that, you could move it. Um, I'm hesitating because it doesn't always transplant brilliantly. It's a bit tender as well in our conditions. Uh, if we were to get a, a cold spell like we did in March of this year, if we were to get that extreme, you'd want to put some fleece or something around it. But if you want to move it, as soon as it gets cold again, any time any time from now, really, provided that the temperatures drop a bit. John in Middleton says, Hi, Peter. I'm looking to move a beech hedge. It's about three to four years old, four to five feet in height. There are still some green leaves on a couple of the trees. Would it be OK to move it now? Does Peter have any advice? Should I trim the branches back so that there's less of a shock to the tree? Thanking you. Yeah, it's, it's exactly, in, in fact, the same advice as I gave there for the salvia, for the hot lips. You want it to, you, you want to, I wouldn't do it now because it is actually still too mild. I mean, it's 10, 11 degrees. So you'd, you'd want to wait till it actually really drops to plus one and plus two and where we're getting frosts overnight because then you know that the plant has gone dormant. It's gone to sleep, if you like, then for the winter. It's nearly done, but it's not quite. So the, the fact there are still green leaves on it. Uh, so I would, with, with the beach hedge, I probably would be waiting into December, maybe even January. Um, three or four years old should transplant okay, but obviously there will be a risk moving it uh, because it is established in, in it where it is at the moment. So you will do some root damage when you're, when you're moving it. So as he says, to, to counteract that root damage, yes, I would recommend trimming the foliage. And, and don't be scared to trim it quite hard. Um, you know, you could trim it back by even 20-30% uh, just to counteract the root damage. Don't leave it out of the ground for any length of time. Get it into its new home straight away. So maybe have the new trench or the new holes dug uh, and do it all in one go. But as I say, wait probably about another three or four weeks, I'd say. Okay, Mike Imano has a tree fern. He lost one during the big freeze last year. What can he do to make sure that he saves this one? Well, all I will, all I can say to Mike is give him the, the, the kind of the correct advice, which is to, to get some horticultural fleece. What horticultural fleece is, is it's, it's as it sounds. It's just a, a breathable fleece material that you, you put around frost-tender plants. What you do with your tree fern is, this year's fronds, this year's long green stems, which are coming out of the, the centre, the crown of the plant, you, you kind of put, pull them up as if you're, as if, how, how would I describe it? Instead of having them going out sideways, you're, you're, you're you're pointing them, them up into the air. Exactly, into yeah. the sky. You're punching them all together, so they're pointing up into the sky. Uh, you tie them together with some, some twine to stop them falling down again. And in the center then, so back at the, the top of the stem, using those fronds as a, as a kind of buffer, uh, you, you pack that with some straw or some newspaper because what you're trying to protect is that crown of the plant, the top of the plant, not the fronds. The fronds will die off next year anyway. But the crown of the plant is where the light is. It's the centre. It's the centre bit. Exactly. So you want want to protect that with some fleece, sorry, some straw, uh, some... um, so even some bunched up newspaper or something like that, it, just to p- keep the frost off that. And then around that top of the plant on the outside, wrap that with more fleece and wrap the whole thing then in fleece, but paying particular attention to um, to that crown of the plant. I would say seven, eight years out of ten, you don't need to go to that much trouble in Ireland. And then the other side of it is the cold spell that we did get in March this yeah. year, the two, the two winters we got in 2010. Um, even doing that may not have been enough to, 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 to protect them because it was so extremely cold. So well, they're not designed for our for, for cold weather anyway. I mean, they're... Well, they're, they're native to New Zealand and Australia, so yeah. no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. But if you do that, I mean, if it went to a normal, let's say a normal cold, let's say minus two or three, the, the advice I've given you there should be more than adequate. But if it, if it goes 
extreme cold that we, we have seen, they may it may not. Okay, somebody says, will heathers that were strimmed away completely regrow? My husband went mad with a strimmer. Never saw the heathers. They were in the middle of a wild patch. God, that went down well. (laughs) I say we get very few husbands listening to this (laughs) programme. They're always in trouble. Uh, um, I'm afraid the answer, and I'm sorry to the husband, the answer is unlikely. If they've been cut back completely so there's no foliage left, it's unlikely that they're going to regenerate. If there's any bit of greenery left on the plants, well, leave well enough alone. You know, nature is amazing and and life will come back through the root system. But uh, if there is no greenery on it at all the plant can't even photosynthesize so the chances of it coming back are, are minimal Okay a, a Christmas cactus says a listener that flowered early this year all the flowers are now gone will it reflower? Not for Christmas I'm afraid no and maybe I hate to say but maybe not even next year uh, a lot of the times we've had this conversation many times Trish uh, yourself and myself but many years Christmas cactus will only flower every two years they, they put such energy into creating such a wonderful display. They take a, a break, if you like, the following year. So you cer- certainly won't get... You might get a couple of extra flowers, you know, over the next month or so, but you won't get another display for Christmas. And you hate to say it, but you may not even next year. OK, listeners looking for your advice. They need to plant a row of trees. They need it to act as protection from wind. Now, I don't know where the listener is texting from. It's a WhatsApp that's come in. Uh, what would be best to plant? The, the, it's not. You would need a bit more information than that, particularly when you're advising on trees. Like if you're advising on hedges or something, it's one thing. But when you're giving advice on trees, you do need to look at soil type. How exposed is it? Is it exposed to the sea or is it just the high winds? How close to the house? What kind of height do we need? So there's a lot of extra bits of, of information I need there to give good advice. However, I'll, I'll make a stab at it. So a, a good tree for, for growing in a windy site, and particularly in rural Ireland, uh, is the, the mountain ash. And I love the mountain ash of the row, and they're very, very important in terms of biodiversity because bees love them during the summer when they're flowering, but also the birds then at this time of the year are feeding off the berries. And we've had such spectacular autumn colour from them as well this year. It's been magnificent around the countryside. So mountain ash will be one that I would certainly look at. Probably going to be suitable because it's not going to get too tall. Uh, when I say that, it's, it's not too tall in terms of trees. It's still about 20 to 25 feet. Um, there are others. Birch is another one that you could look at, at growing. If you, have, if you have plenty, plenty of space, like acres around you, you could look at planting a lovely line of poplars. They're good for wind protection as well, but you want to have a very, very big space. As I say, you probably need a bit more information. However, either either contact the, your program, Trish, or contact me on Facebook, the Irish Gardener, or call into your local garden centre and you will get good advice on, on that as well. Okay. Uh, would I be okay now to trim an Escalonia hedge? It's a mature hedge. It hasn't been trimmed ever. We live near the sea. I would probably leave it for a while. The reason being, when you trim it, you're encouraging new growth. And you really don't want to be encouraging new growth now at this time of the year coming into the, the cold spells. So I would probably hold off on this till kind of end of February, just when we're coming out, hopefully, of the, of the cold part of the year. Uh, that's the time to do it. And Escalonias are one that were, were, were obliterated throughout the country in, um, in those winters of 2010. So I really wouldn't do anything to, to make it more vulnerable in case we do get an extreme cold period. OK, all right. Are you, are you winding down and having a quiet time? or Not what are you up to? all. No. Not at all. <laughs> Never happens. <laughs> mad busy. Mad busy. with a lot of design projects on the go at the moment. But um, I want to give a, a shout out again, if I may, Trish, just for the hospice on next Wednesday. So this day next week at the Oriel House Hotel in Ballincollig at, I think it's 8pm, uh, Margaret Ahern, a member 
Ravif and the Association of Irish Floral Artists is giving a demonstration. Uh, it is at 8pm, I see it there. I've, I've seen Margaret demonstrate before and she's such entertainment and she's such an artist. It's fabulous. It's the Oriel House Hotel. I love, and Wednesday I love flower, f- watching flower arranging. It's just, it's such an art, it's isn't an it? I, I stare in awe. I, I, I can do a certain amount outside, but I can do very little in terms of what they do. It's fantastic. It's a, a great evening. It, it's, 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 as I say, in aid of the hospice, tickets are available from the hospice, uh, and you, you won't be disappointed if you go along to hear Margaret. I can guarantee you that. And it's this day next week? This day next week. Okay, so we'll, we'll remind people again uh, next uh, Wednesday, just to be sure, to be sure. Say, okay. I would say tickets will probably be gone by next yeah. Wednesday. Yeah, okay, so get in there quick with your tickets. Okay, enjoy. Uh, have a Thank good you. week, and we'll talk to you Thank next you. week. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, uh, the Irish uh, Gardener. Julie, by text, uh, says, uh, do, do, would any of your listeners know when the bazaar is on in Drum Tariff, please? Does anybody know when the bazaar is on in Drum Tariff? If anybody can confirm a date on that, uh, please do. 1850-333-103. And we spoke earlier in the week about in- illness benefit and somebody was on to us because there'd been a problem with illness benefit. It had been running over a number of weeks and uh, months and a listener was wondering, has it all been sorted out? What is happening? I can say tell you that the Minister for Social Protection, Regina Doherty, has said that that the illness benefit payments are back to normal levels. Uh, she has accepted that there has been weeks upon weeks of disruption. She reiterated her apology that she made to customers last week, stating that the issues are blamed on her department's new IT system. And she says that's now been rectified. As uh, was previously reported, people began to complain of delays in payments. It actually went back to August. I knew we were getting some calls and I didn't know it was back that, that far. And the department initially had blamed the issue on the GP but then it turned out, no, it was nothing to do with the GP. It was a new IT uh, system that went in. It caused huge problems to so many people who ended up having to borrow money to simply pay bills, to pay rent, to put food on the table. Um, uh, anyway, uh, Regina Doherty said that the payment disruption has been sorted out. There was about 50,000 payments or there are about 50,000 payments every week when it comes to illness benefits and that the new system is back up and running and Minister Regina Doherty has also assured people that if you were one of the ones affected by these the IT system problems that you will receive back payments as soon as possible. Now I don't know how that's how long is a piece of string but she is saying you, you know whatever you were entitled to, you will get it back, but that it has all been uh, sorted out. So I'm glad to report that because they say we were, even up to this week, getting calls in from listeners worried, I suppose, worried and afraid that their money wasn't going uh, to be there. So good to see that that has been sorted out. Quick mention to a bazaar that is happening. Skull Knee of Elton in Kinsale. Their Christmas bazaar is next Sunday, 2nd of December. Acton's Hotel uh, from half one to half four. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara. Nick Smith, you talk to you tomorrow. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.